Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Anyway, well, my name's uh, John Warnock. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And um, back last uh, fall-ish, a small team from Dogwood got to go to Thailand. We had been asked by our ministry partner in Thailand if we would be willing to um, head into some of the remote villages where we would have to hike uh, to get there, uh, to be able to bring some medical supplies, to be able to do some teaching, and to be able to, to bring the gospel uh, to those villages. And so we agreed. Now, I've, I've done some day hiking. Um, anybody ever done day hiking before? You might, you might have a little small backpack. It's kind of easy. And, and certainly when I hike here in the States, you know, I look for the great fall days or the great spring days, don't you? No humidity. It's great to be out there and enjoy things. Well, so Thailand's a little bit different. I don't know if you've ever been to Thailand before, but, but when we were there, Thailand had about 100% humidity, and um, it was at least 95 degrees, so it was hot, 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 hot. So now I, I hadn't done much, matter of fact, I hadn't done any overnight hiking, and so I went and got a backpack, and I loaded it up with all kinds of supplies that I would need, some food, right? I mean, they're going to feed us some rice and things like that, but we wanted, I wanted to make sure I had some protein bars and that kind of stuff, and uh, I had clothes in there, I had something to to uh, sling between trees uh, and sleep in if I needed to and that kind of stuff. So I mean, it, was a, it was a heavy pack. So we drive down these long dirt roads and we get lost a couple times and we finally get to where the road stops and the hike begins. Well, as we're getting out of the, the van, some of the villagers had come down to meet us because they needed to show us the way because it, the, there's not just one trail. I mean, it's almost like a little highway of trails all throughout these mountains. And so they came to meet us and they asked, hey, listen, can we carry your packs for you? Now, the smart answer would have been to say, yeah, would love for you to. Because again, remember, I'm not used to the humidity. I'm certainly not used to the terrain. I mean, listen, that's misleading. That's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> and it was beautiful. But listen, we were hiking through creeks, up creeks. We have to like, go over rivers on little bamboo rafts kind of things. We're hiking up grades like this. And so by the time I get to the village where I'm going, my back just is killing me. And I, I didn't enjoy, I mean, actually, I enjoyed the hike, but I didn't appreciate the hike. You know what I'm saying? So when I got to the end, got to the village, I was going, I am ready to get in the river over there, take my bath and go to bed, because I'm just, I'm exhausted, I'm worn out. Well, we're there, I don't know, I don't remember now if it was a day or two, however it worked. On the way back to the van that was waiting for us at the, the trailhead after hours of, of hiking, the villagers insisted that they carry our packs for us. I don't know if they saw it on our face when we were there and we were, we were just kind of tired. I'm not sure. But because I didn't want to be rude to my, my host at that point, I said, you know what? Let me hand you my pack. And so I gave, them, I gave them my pack and they, man, they took off. They were gone. Like it was nothing on them. And you know what? On that hike back to the van, do you realize I enjoyed that hike so much more? I mean, when we got to go, you know, over the little bamboo raft thing, and we got to go down the hills and up the hills, and we'd get to the peaks, and I could look out and go, wow, I missed all of this. I missed all of this because I was carrying a heavy burden. I learned an incredible lesson that day. You know what that lesson was? It is good for us to get rid of our burdens, to give them to someone who can handle them, someone who's used to the terrain, someone who's used to all that, used to carrying stuff all the time. It is good for us to get rid of our burdens. Well, we're in the middle of a series called Overload here. 
we're looking together at what God says that we can and should do in order to restore order to our overloaded lives. Pastor Keith, over the past few weeks, has done an incredible job of getting this series going. The first week, he talked to us about reducing overload in our lives. The next week, he talked to us about taking steps that you and I can can take that would simplify our lives. And last week, if you remember, he talked about slowing down our lives. What are the things that we need to do to slow down? Today, we continue in the journey by looking at an incredible passage of Scripture that will help us see the beautiful picture of the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. Before I read that passage of Scripture, I want to ask you a question. You don't even have to raise your hand on this one. This is just a question for you to think about. Do any of you feel burdened in life? Maybe you feel like you're carrying the weight of the world on your back. You're burdened by all that's going on at work. You're burdened about the problems that you see in your family and it tears you up. You're burdened about the crazy things that we see going on in our world today and on the news today. And to top it off, maybe you feel like that you aren't living up to what God has called you to do and to live. And so you carry that weight as well because you're thinking to yourself, all right, I hear and I know because I've been taught that I'm supposed to spend time praying. I'm supposed to spend time reading my Bible. I'm supposed to spend my time sharing Christ. I'm supposed to live a life on mission and be all about that. But yet I struggle doing that and I don't feel like I have control and my life is crazy and I'm carrying all of this weight on my shoulders. Anybody out there feel that way? Listen, I do sometimes. I most certainly feel that burden. And if you're like me, you feel that burden as well. I feel the burden to get things done, to get things planned. I feel the burden at at home, dealing with a, a we had some carpet installed. We've got some issues with carpet. Dealing with all of that, I feel that burden that's going on. Trying to get things worked out on another thing that we've got going on a roof. It sounds crazy that our house is falling apart, but it's really not. Um, Putting together a little league lineup and getting those kids in the right position so that they don't get hurt, but yet having mom and dad go, why doesn't my kid get to play first base? I mean, you feel those burdens, right? What about even this week? As I know, listen, last, I mean, I've known I was going to preach for at least two or three weeks. And so at the beginning of this week, I knew I've got to spend time studying and praying and getting ready for this message, knowing that I needed to make sure as well that I'm spending time with God, right? I mean, doesn't that make sense? You're going to do all those things? You know, Monday and Tuesday of this week, my life was so stinking busy, I forgot to spend time with God. And I remember thinking that on Wednesday as I'm starting to do this, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to be preaching. How in the world am I going to be able to do that when I've neglected my relationship with God? Anybody ever had that kind of problem before? Maybe you weren't getting ready to preach, but you were getting ready to do something, and you're going, man, what am I doing? Let me read to you a very freeing passage of Scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30 says this. Jesus is speaking, and he says to us, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What an incredibly freeing passage of scripture that is. My prayer for us today, my prayer for me, my prayer for you, is that as we engage this passage of scripture, that we don't, we don't just consume it and go, wow, that's great, my life is now different. My prayer is, is that, that you would 
you would get this, that I would get this in such a way that we would be freed in such a way that we can't help but not to tell others about it so that they too can have their burdens freed by coming to Jesus. Now let me pray for us, and then we're going to dig in together. Father God, please speak to us today. Help us to come to you with our burdens, to trust in you, to abide in you. God, for those of us in this room that are already followers of Jesus, help us to grow in our love and our understanding of you today as we, as we do get a better understanding of who you are and your love for us and how you want us to be free and to how you want us to have rest. God, for those in this room who don't yet know you, as we speak of your love for us, and what Jesus is calling us, and what he is offering to us. Father, I I pray for those people that don't yet know you, God, that they would respond to your message of salvation. God, give us all open ears and open hearts to hear you speak to us, and help us to worship you in spirit and truth. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. This passage is teaching us what Jesus says about getting our burdens, our real burdens, relieved. It is simple and profound all at the same time. And here it is. It says, he, he tells us three things, and we'll go through these uh, in detail. He says, you turn to Jesus, you give up control, and you learn to trust him. The first thing that Jesus tells us, he says that we are to turn to him. We turn to Jesus. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and loaded down with burdens, and I will give you rest. Come to me. In the Bible, people came to Jesus for all different kinds of reasons, right? I mean, we see people, they went to Jesus for answers, they went to him for healing, but do you know most importantly why people came to him, even if they didn't know that this was the reason why they were coming to him? To have their burdens forgiven, their sins forgiven, their burdens lifted off of them. Jesus in our passage claims that when we come to him, that he will give us rest for our souls. And this is much more important than physical rest. Physical rest is important. It's a good thing. But rest for our souls is vitally important. He is saying that that thing that keeps you awake at night, that nagging that you're not good enough, that feeling that you get sometimes when you're alone and and, and, and things are quiet and you're afraid because you feel like that maybe God doesn't even love you anymore, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. All you have to do is come to me. So what does it mean to come to Jesus then? Well, to say it in another way, it means this. It means that we come to him and we give up all that we have and all that we are to Jesus. Coming to Jesus means that we go to him and we give up all that we have and all that we are to him. Listen, as we examine that verse and this coming to Jesus thing, it's it's important for us to look back at the few verses before verse 28. Let me paraphrase what goes on right before 28. This is John Warnock's paraphrase. So... Take it for what it is. Jesus is looking out to the people that he's speaking to, and he says, oh my gosh, guys, you better be careful. Matter of fact, he said, woe to you. Why is he saying that? Because he's looking at these people that had seen his ministry. They have seen the miracles that he had performed. They had seen the lives that had been transformed by interacting with Jesus and coming to him. Yet they had rejected him. And he says to them that even towns such as Tyre and Sidon, listen, that doesn't mean anything to most of us, but those were towns that were known for being horrible. They were known for just just how sinful they were. And Jesus says, if those people there had seen the miracles that I had done and performed, if they had encountered me, they would have turned towards me and accepted me. But woe to you because you have rejected me. 
And then he says, but come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Think back for a moment the stress that the Jewish people that Jesus was talking to back then must have been living under. They lived in a very strict religious system, right? There was a group of people that controlled life. The Pharisees, they literally did. They controlled all that went on. They were the guys that interpreted the Old Testament law. And they would put that burden, that law, on the people that they led, or at least influenced, and controlled. And on top of the Old Testament law that God had given, they added over 600 laws for people to obey. And if people didn't obey them, they risked ridicule, they risked punishment, and they certainly were told, you guys aren't good enough, you're not living up to God's standard. Certainly the people back then, not only were they worried about where was their meal going to come from, not only were they worried, worried about their, the things that were going on in their family, but they were worried about not living up to God's standard. And so what Jesus says to them is incredibly radical. He says, come to me to find rest from the oppressive religious system that you find yourselves in. Come to me and find rest from the stressful events in your life. Come to me and find forgiveness and rest from the sin that is in your life. So when we come to Jesus, it means that we are coming to him with the full weight and burden of of the sin on our shoulders. And we take it off and we give that to someone who is more capable of handling them. And how freeing it is for us when we get to do that. There's nothing else that we can turn to. There's nothing else that we can turn to that will relieve us of that burden. We do it all. We try all kinds of things. You name it. We've tried it, right? As people, we've said, all right, we're going to do these things to get rid of our burdens. And there's nothing that will work except for Jesus. No one will give you rest. No one can give you rest. No answer can give you rest for your soul. Not even having a better, less filled calendar will give you rest for your soul. Only God does that in our lives. Listen to the following verse. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. God is speaking to his people and this verse is telling us what God is saying. And he says, I will wipe out your sins. They are gone. That he does it for his own sake, to bring himself glory, and that he will not remember your sins anymore. It's it's kind of like this. That when we come to Jesus, it's kind of like if we could say that our burdens were this piece of paper, right? Okay, so not a good burden because it's really light, but just kind of go with me here for a second. This is our burden, right? Okay? And if we were to say, hey, we're going to go to Jesus and we're going to give him, we're going to give him that burden, we're going to lay it down. And so we go to Jesus and we say, we say God, I, I give you my burdens, all right? And we, we kind of do that little number right there. And over just a, a little bit, actually instantly, better than this illustration is working out, God says, you know what? Your sins are gone. They're gone. They're not there anymore. I have wiped them out. I have cleaned them. Your slate is clean. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 goes on to tell us that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has already paid the price for us. And now when God looks at you or looks at me as a follower of Christ, do you realize that he doesn't see your sin? He sees Jesus 
Christ. He sees his son that has covered your sin. And there is tremendous freedom in that. And if you really want your life to be better and you really want your life to not be overloaded and you want the stress to be gone, it really comes down to getting your sins forgiven. The work that Jesus did on the cross because your bird, your true burden is actually gone. So how do we come to Jesus like this? You put your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. The second thing that, that God tells us to do or that Jesus tells us to do in this passage says that we are to give up control to Jesus. Jesus says, he says it this way. He says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Listen, the reason we get tired in life And the reason we get overloaded is because we think we have to be in control of everything, don't we? I mean, I do. I feel like like it, it depends on me. I think that in some ways, many of us even need to give up, now hear me out on this one, even need to give up our Christianity, our religion, to Jesus so that we can find rest. Now here's what I mean. In our current culture of Christianity, there is a danger out there that I feel like that we sometimes, let me say this because I don't want to point a finger at you, that I fall into sometimes. And it's this. It's believing that on my own, I can obey God and please God. On my own, I can't do that. We typically define Christianity in our world today as based on what we do. If we pray, if we read the Bible, if we evangelize, we feel like that we're pleasing to God and that God will bless us. Now here's the truth. You will never and I will never be able to please God by what we do. The Bible says even our best works are like filthy rags to Him. I'm going to say that again to you because I want it to sink in. Sink in. You will never please God by what you do. You will not earn His favor. You will not make Him love you more. You are pleasing to God based solely of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what makes you pleasing to God. Let me illustrate it to you this way. Two different scenarios. In scenario number one, your day starts off right. You wake up in time to have a great quiet time with God. You spend time reading the Bible. You spend time praying. You spend time listening to God. You wake your family up. And so over the breakfast table, you have a devotion with your kids and you teach them a little bit about what God taught you this morning in your quiet time. You pray with them. You pray for their their school friends that, that they would have good impact, your kids would have good impact on their lives. You take your kids to school. As soon as you drop them off, you pop in uh, your favorite uh, CD or podcast on your iPod of your favorite preacher, and you're listening to them on the way to work, and things are great. The work day goes well. At lunchtime, you say, you know what? I've got a little bit extra time today for lunch, so I'm going to go down to the soup kitchen down the street, and I'm going to help serve lunch there. The rest of your afternoon goes great. You drive home. You've got your favorite worship music going on, and you're singing praises to God. You don't care that the people that are looking in your car, and they're going, who's he talking to? And you're just singing. You're having a great time. Scenario number two. Scenario number two, your alarm goes off. You're tired. So you hit it about 12 times. Maybe not that long. Five times. You wake up late. You realize that, oh my goodness, if I don't get my kids out of bed and get them fed, they're going to be late to school. So as they're getting out of bed and sort of combing their hair, you throw a Pop-Tart at them. And say, hey, eat this on our way to school. And so you drop them off to school just in time. You then are on your way up to Atlanta. There's a, tra- there's a, a traffic wreck. And so you're, you're caught in, in extra traffic that day. Well, finally you break through the traffic and you start speeding because you're late for a meeting that's going to be there. You see the blue lights behind you. You cuss a little bit because you go, oh my goodness, I'm getting pulled over. You get pulled over, you get a ticket, you head on, you head on to work. And the day is horrible. 
You drive home and you're just going, this day is so horrible. I don't know. You're just you're mumbling and you're going, I can't believe all these people and how stupid they are. And, blah, 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 and you get home. All right, now let's take the two scenarios and put them together for a second. Let's say in both of those scenarios, it's trash night. And so you take your trash out to the end of the street. And you have been praying for months. In both of these scenarios, you're a believer, okay? You've been praying for months that you would have the opportunity to share Christ with the person across the street. Well, it just so happens on this night that as you take your trash can out, they take their trash can out. And for some crazy reason, the person goes, hey, you go to Dogwood, don't you? And you say, yeah. You know, I've been thinking about this whole Jesus thing. Would you tell me about him? Both scenarios. You've just lived your day that way. And they are pitching you a softball to be able to knock it out of the park and tell them about Jesus. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a second and ask you, in which of those two scenarios is God going to bless more? Anybody? Man, listen, when I first heard that scenario, I thought, certainly scenario one. Certainly scenario one. Because I've done everything that I was supposed to do that day. I prayed, I had a quiet time, I shared, I shared my, my resources, and I went down to the soup kitchen and I helped people out. But listen, here's the fallacy in thinking that the number one scenario would have a better result of sharing Christ. You know what that does? It puts someone else's salvation based on how you work. And your action, it makes you the centerpiece of their salvation. Now that's certainly not right. Why? Because someone's salvation is based on what Jesus has done, not based on what you do, right? Listen, that should be freeing for you. Now it shouldn't give you a license just to always have scenario number two kind of days, right? Because we would rather live as scenario number one. Your day will go much better if you live scenario number one, I promise. But God's blessing in either of those two situations is based on God's grace and mercy, not on our actions. So Jesus says to us that we are to take his yoke upon us. I know that some of you are thinking to yourselves, that doesn't sound restful. I know what a yoke is. Anybody know what a yoke is? We've got a picture of one just in case you don't. It's a wooden thing. You harness it between two animals and they, they, they go to town working. Now, the first time I read that, I was going, now, now, I mean, it's, when I was a kid, I read about taking Jesus' yoke. I was going, that doesn't sound like getting rid of my burden. What in the world? Sounds like I'm doing more work by getting yoked to something, right? Doesn't it? But here's the beautiful thing. When we yoke ourselves to Christ, when we yoke ourselves to Christ, it's Him that does the work in us. We, we actually, we, we get to go along for the ride almost. We lean into that yoke and he sets the pace, he sets the direction, and when things get hard, he's really the one pulling and helping things go. He chooses to work with us. He wants to be yoked with us because when we do that, when we yoke ourselves with him, because he allows us to do that, that we get to connect with him. It means that we get to follow him, that he will provide direction in your life, and that we get to work with him. In other words, he cooperates Excuse me, that we cooperate with him. When we're yoked with Jesus, we move together in the same direction at the same pace that he is moving. So how do we do this? That's a great question. Here's how you yoke yourself to Jesus. We stop fighting the battle that we're in control. We stop trying to do it all on our own. We give him control. We stop believing that we can measure up and make God love us. And we thank God that the battle has already been won. That is why we can stop fighting it. The battle's already been won. The work that Jesus did on the cross accomplished it for us. Now I want to introduce to you a friend of mine. His name is uh, Cornell. Cornell, if you want to go ahead and start making your way on up. 
Um, Cornell, we had a, a, just a, a, an incredible um, opportunity this week. Cornell, come on out. Um, Cornell uh, works uh, over in Kenya with the Ministry of Care for AIDS, and I found out this week that, that they were going to be in town, and uh, what a blessing it is to have you here with us to worship God with us today. And uh, we had a chance to talk a little bit Wednesday night, and uh, I was sharing with him a little bit about what, what I was speaking on. I asked him a question, I thought he had a, just a great story of, of, of being yoked to Jesus and, and the burdens being lifted. And so I wanted you to hear from Cornell just real quickly about his story. So Cornell, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you. Uh, I, in the year 2007, my father passed on. And uh, before that, uh, because uh, my brothers and sisters never went to school, and uh, so I, I was the one responsible. So all the money that I had, I'd saved, worked hard for, I'd used them to, to try to save my father's life. So bad luck, my father passed on. So I was a broke, I was very broke. I did not have money left with me. Now, within a short time, few months, my mother was down. And my father passed on because of HIV AIDS. So my mother was again down. And uh, we say it was full-blown of HIV AIDS. So she was in her last stage, again dying. So looking back, my father was gone. Now I'm seeing my mother again going. So she was talking to me, telling me last things before she dies. So this was heavy on me. Now, why was it heavy on me? I was thinking... I have my younger brothers and sisters who never went to school, and I'm the one who is going to take care of all of this. And uh, my mother, and again, I also want to take care of my life. I want my wife is also here. So, uh, and for a, a long time, it took some, a lot of months. Uh, and then I was just thinking about my mother is passing on again. My mother is dying soon. My mother is dying soon. My brothers and sisters are waiting on me. How will I do this? It was very heavy for me. And uh, though I'm a Christian, but I will tell you for sure, I forgot. I forgot. I just looked at the, the, the weight I'm going to carry, the weight that my mother and my father are going to leave for me. How will I educate them? How will I feed them? Seven. How will I feed seven people? How will I take all of them to school? So I was lost. And, uh, and, 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 and I never thought about God. Though I'm a devoted Christian, but I never thought about that. This is something that we can, I can surrender to God. Until one day in my devotion, it came to clear to me. Uh, the message that God was sharing with me during this time. Uh, Cornell, your brothers and sisters... They are not yours, they are mine. And before they came to this world, I knew. And then that message touched me. And then that is the day that I started to go down on my knee and ask God, yes, if my mother passed on, my father is already dead, I want to surrender my family to you. I want you to take care. I don't, I don't know what will happen, Lord, but I want to put them into your hands and everybody, my brothers and sisters, and even the health of my mother. I don't have money, but Lord, uh, do it the, your way. Not only that my mother recovered and got her strength back, but the burden, like the, the, the burden that I was carrying inside my heart was, it's like something just dropped out of my heart. And I was suddenly relieved. I started sleeping smoothly because before I was not sleeping. But I just realized this, that when I surrendered this to God, things totally changed. Even today as I speak, my mother is doing well. And we are praising Jesus together. 
Voilà, thank you. I appreciate it. Cornell, thanks for your friendship. Duncan, thank you for what you're doing as well uh, in the ministry uh, of helping making people's lives better physically, but also bringing them the hope of the gospel through the ministry of Care for AIDS. So thank, which, thank you uh, for being here today as well. Cornell and Duncan will be here. Um, maybe you know, guys can hang out in the lobby at the in-between services too for you guys to go talk with them if you would like to. It would be a good thing. So we're to take Jesus' yoke on us. When we, when we rely on Him, He works through us and he, and he relieves our burdens. Now, Jesus finally says to us that we are to learn from Him, for He is gentle and humble in heart, and that we will find rest for our souls. That we learn to trust Him. What does that mean, to trust Jesus? It means that we learn to be His disciple. We learn to be his disciple. Now this is a process for us. We're learning to trust in Him and not on our, not our, not our own uh, abilities and own selves. We are learning to trust Jesus by being His disciple. Jesus is an outstanding model in history that we are to, to follow. We're to look at His life and model our lives after Him. And Jesus says, as you learn to be my disciple, you will find true rest for your soul. Slowly as we learn to let Christ work in us, slowly as we learn to be his disciple, to be his follower, we realize that allowing him to work in and through us is what gives us rest. We realize then that our our schedules get a little better and the burden comes off. Now I want to be abundantly clear here. This doesn't mean that we sit back and do nothing. And we sit here on Sunday morning in a, in a chair and we listen to what's going on and we worship God through song and then the rest of the week we do nothing. I don't mean to imply that you do nothing. What I mean to imply is that you lean into Jesus' yoke and you learn to be His follower over a period of time. Practice, practically speaking, how does this work out? Well, Jesus gives the example. He says He is gentle and humble at heart. As we walk with Him and as you learn to be His disciple, He will begin to transform your heart to be gentle and humble as well. Now check out, two of the greatest causes of stress in our life is aggression and arrogance. Those are the opposite of gentleness and humbleness. And as you learn to be gentle and humble, God will replace aggression and arrogance in your life with gentle and gentleness and humbleness. Another very, very quick example. In the book of John, when Jesus is speaking, over 12 times he says things like this, I only do what the Father tells me to do, or I only think what the Father tells me to think, or I only say what the Father tells me to say. He says that at least 12 times throughout the book of John. As you learn to follow Jesus, you will also learn to only do and only think and only say what the Father wants you to do, think, and say. And how much more freeing will life be for you when you are doing and living what your perfect Heavenly Father is wanting you to do and live? I'm telling you, that is the answer. That is the answer to the stress in our lives, is to learn from Jesus to do the Father's work. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. We get all kinds of invitations at this time of year. Graduations, weddings, the best invitation that you will ever get is found in the passage that we read today where Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and overloaded, 
All who are stressed out, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. And you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now listen, some of you in this room are not yet followers of Christ. And if that's you, then seriously, the absolute best invitation that you will ever get is to come to Jesus and give Him complete and total control of your life. And so if that's you this morning, I want, I want to lead you in a prayer. Let me just say this. If you don't get these words just right, it's fine. It's not about a magic prayer. God's concerned about what's going on inside of you. So tell God something like this. Lord Jesus, to the best that I understand it, I ask you to come into my life to be my leader. God, in other words, I give you complete and total control of my life. And God, I ask you to be my forgiver. I lay my burdens down. Thank you for forgiving them and wiping them clean and remembering them no more. Now, still in an attitude of prayer, I know that the majority of us in this room are already followers of Christ. But maybe you're tired. Maybe you're burdened. Maybe you still feel like that you're carrying a ton of weight on your shoulders. So pray something like this. Dear God, I'm tired of being tired all of the time. I'm tired of, of trying to control everything. I am tired of a life without rest and peace and margin. Please forgive me for all of the times that I've turned to other things for release instead of turning to you. Today, I come to you. I want you to be the pace setter in my life. I want you to set my direction. I want to stop trying to control my life, trying to control the things that I never could control anyway. Forgive me for my arrogance, God. Forgive me for allowing my insecurities and my ego to take on more activities than I can possibly manage. I want to take your yoke, Jesus. I want to learn to be your disciple. I want to learn from you to be gentle and humble. I want to learn from you in such a way that I live like you lived when you were here on earth, only doing what the Father wants. Jesus, thank you that you will actually be the one living this life in me because I recognize I can't do it on my own. I am trusting you, Lord Jesus. I am laying down my life to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.